I'm sorry to have to report this, ladies and gentlemen, but we're going to have to abandon our left, right, and, seg- and, and, and uh, center segment today. Jeff Summer just told me he refuses to say anything more than he's already said publicly about Paris Hilton. And that was where, that was, you know, I sort of planned the rest of the show around that. And Have you heard her new CD, Jeff? I have not. Have you not? Celebrity for without talent, celebrity for no reason. Well, apparently, well, I shouldn't say this. I haven't heard. Of, I did read somewhere that that it was a passable effort. Oh, good. However, with modern recording technology, anybody can sound passable. Well, in fact, my son is, uh, did a recording last week on his uh, little Mac computer, and it, and it was him doing a duet with some girl. And I said, "Well, who's the girl?" And he said, "It's me." You know, with, with the, the, the those computers are magic. GarageBand software. They are magic. <laughs> Now, can you use the computer to get yourself a date would be my question. Is that, is, does but that but does it actually change your voice? You, take, you can yeah. change your voice? Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. i, I got to find that software. I could use GarageBand. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is around. That stuff is around for sure. Uh, gentlemen, uh, the local election, municipal election, is uh, rearing its ugly head again, as it will for the next few weeks. I got an email this morning, an interesting email, and I want to discuss it with you folks. Uh, all of us, our listeners, and with our guests in the studio as well. And we should acknowledge that uh, Jeff's son, Michael, is with us in the studio today. Yeah. If you hear your dad say anything particularly stupid, don't be afraid to speak up and, uh, <laughs> and, and give me a hand. Um, I, I received an email this morning from somebody who was concerned about the number of new candidates running with uh, alleged, and I say alleged because it isn't really an allegation, it's not a big deal one way or the other, but alleged ties to the NDP. And as one looks down the list of a lot of the people who are involved in campaigns for Imagine London, for example, and a couple of the other organizations like that, they are full of names that that I recognize as people who've been involved in the NEP before. And, of course, there's nothing wrong with that. It's uh, perfectly legal and perfectly okay for them to do that and perfectly acceptable for them to run for municipal office and so on. But the person that sent me the email was distressed at uh, what what he characterized as uh, as a backdoor attempt to get power in the city of London. People that can, a, a party, as he said, that can't win at the polls um, as a party is now trying to win at the polls as individuals pretending they're not part of the party, and yet they are pushing a uh, left-wing, uh, fairly seriously left-wing um, agenda through their various candidacies around the city. Um, this is not new. This has happened before. Is this anything we should be concerned about, Bob? I don't think so. I don't see it as an issue. It, uh, municipal elections are a logical place for anybody to start uh, a, a political career, regardless of their affiliation. Um, if what they're saying is that the, some candidates who were formerly uh, MPs, MPPs, are, are making a step down to get back in, uh, so what? I mean, that's not really an issue either. Um, if he's worried about, if the writer's worried about left-wing policy, I don't think you only have to look to the NDP for that. You'll find that from the conservatives and liberals as well. So where do you really find somebody? You know, if a left-winger came to me and said, I want lower taxes, I'll help you get rid of property taxes and save your money, I'd vote for him, regardless of what he called himself on some mm-hmm. other basis. So to me, it's all about policy. And um, Really, to my way of thinking, I think we've only got uh, one, maybe 1.5 right wingers in all city council. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we, we, so you 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 look at this as uh, an opportunity for people once again to exercise their own critical faculties and judge the candidates on their own. Well, sure, you have to, Jeff. See it any differently? 
No, and I think that uh, it is a logical time for the left to try to get more involved in uh, municipal politics with Imagine London's uh, success in the last few years. And most people, I think, who kind of watched City Hall didn't think that they would have the degree of success that they did. And certainly we had legal opinions from prominent uh, lawyers saying, no, they're not, they're, they're, they're not going to get anywhere, you know, blah, blah, blah. So they've had some success with that, and it makes sense that they're energized by that, and it's the, they've had uh, publicity from it and so on. So it's a logical time for them to be out in front and center uh, making their, uh, their, their play. Um, having said that, I was <clears throat> sort of thinking, as you were mentioning that, that last week we had talked a bit about Joe Fontana and, mm-hmm. and what his appeal would be compared to uh, Anne-Marie DeSico and uh, that uh, he may be characterized as more of a, uh, a business-friendly uh, mayor than Anne-Marie might be. And I'm thinking you know, that that would be traditionally more of a right-wing constituency, the business community. Um, so obviously that movement is sensing that there is room for more success by moving to the right, somewhat compared to the current candidate. Um, so as to whether the climate is such that uh, people are thinking uh, that they're more interested in leftish candidates right now, uh, I don't know that that would be the case. Uh, certainly it's not the case in federal politics or in provincial politics. Do you think they identify generally that, that voters, municipal voters identify their candidates as left-wing or right-wing? No, I think it would be kind of hard, really. For Most of the brochures that I read don't sound all that different than each other. They're all for lower taxes. They're all for better services, um, you know, for uh, beautifying the city. And, and pictures of the class. family <clears throat> and the kids and that yeah, kind of stuff. So, so in a way, uh, not having the party affiliation does make that a harder job. Um, and it's interesting, like, it's not like this is the, the way it's done everywhere. I believe that in B.C., for instance, uh, municipal politics is done by party, mm-hmm. that you do declare your affiliation when you run for city council. Um, I, I'm also struck in Toronto, for example, I hadn't realized until I was reading about uh, Gerard Kennedy that he had defeated David Miller, the current mayor, mm-hmm. who was the NDP candidate in uh, the election where Gerard was first elected. Uh, so, again, he's David Miller's done exactly that. He was a, a failed NDP candidate who's become the mayor. Um, so, you know, these things happen. Uh, but as far as whether it's a, uh, uh, a potentially kind of uh, hostile takeover of the city, I'd be very surprised because I don't think Londoners really have changed all that much. And I was in Toronto yesterday at a meeting and uh, talking to another lawyer who said, what is it with London? How come you guys are so conservative down there? And it's like, <laughs> it's all relative to where you're from compared to Toronto. We sure are. Jeff, I want to take advantage of your uh, long experience with the Liberal Party to talk a little bit. You mentioned Gerard Kennedy. Talk a little bit about London North Centre. Jo- Joel Fontana is resigning that seat to run for mayor. Um, there was some instant speculation by people, me included, that that might have opened up that seat for Anne-Marie should she be defeated and that that might help Joe, in fact, win the election, that there might be people who would think, well, I can vote for Joe. I I think we need a a new mayor. It's time for a change, but I like Anne-Marie. I don't want to see her out in the street. Ah, well, she could run for London North Centre and I'll vote for her there and and everything will be peachy keen. Uh, Now we're hearing that uh, depending on the timing of the election, and it might be a moot point if there isn't an election for another six or eight or ten months, or depending on how quickly the liberals in that riding want to select their next candidate. Uh, it's been suggested that Bob, Bob Ray might have some interest in running there, that Gerard Kennedy might have some interest in running there. Neither one of them have a, uh, a seat in the House of Commons at the present time. This is a long and storied tradition in Canada of parachuting in leadership um, uh, leadership candidates. The supposed benefit, I guess, for the riding is that you have the party leader and perhaps a prime minister from your riding, uh, although often in these situations to get into the House of Commons, they'll run in one riding and then they'll run somewhere else the, where they actually become prime minister, the, yeah. you know, in, a, in an even stronger riding, a better, safer, whatever riding. Um, 
are you offended uh, at all by the possibility that uh, that the liberal leadership may impose a candidate on the North Center? No, I'm not. And I believe that John Cretchen, I, I think, represented three different ridings during his tenure uh, in office. Um, having said that, to me, the decision the party needs to make is how safe the seat is. You know, the tradition is that you find a safe seat to uh, put your candidate. In fact, I believe that, that the tradition is that if there's a leader elected that uh, to the party, that is, the tradition is that if they choose to run in a, in a um, particular riding, that the other parties may not oppose them. Uh, and I don't know if that tradition still survives, but I recall that that was the case in the past as kind of a gentleman's thing. It's like, okay, you're leader of the party. You need to get into uh, into the House of Commons. Okay, we're going to do this because we know the next time around we'll need the favor of getting somebody in. Mm. But uh, it was interesting. I heard you say that, or I can't remember if you wrote that. But anyway, I saw this idea about Anne-Marie heading off to Ottawa, and I was thinking in some respects that would be a career progression for her. Mm-hmm. And it would open up some uh, opportunities for her to get into a cabinet, for instance, uh, to move ahead on a career that, I, I'd hate to say it was stagnant, but, you know, she's been mayor for a while, she's been there, done that. And so in some respects, it wouldn't be a bad thing for her personally, I think, to head off to Ottawa. Now, Bob, what about the uh, the prospects of the party parachuting a, a, a candidate in? Um, it's a typical practice. It's it's uh, you can't do anything about it. You, I mean, c- you couldn't have it otherwise because of the timing of elections and demographics and the way the ridings are apportioned. There just aren't any other available at this moment, uh, you know, ridings to run a candidate. Well, that's, sure there are. There's every, there's every riding that has a sitting liberal member where that member could could uh, resign in favor of a by election to elect. To elect the, uh, the, the leader. Oh, that's a dangerous move uh, because if a person resigns after having been elected by his constituents for another purpose, uh, there's a real feeling of resentment on the part of the electorate. And that but it's sense. happened before. It has, and that's why I quote that because I remember there was a lot of resentment on the part of a lot of people, whether or not the candidate won or not. Um, I think that would be a little more dangerous. They could do that, but uh, given the opportunity when you know you want to replace Joe, Joe was a fixture mm-hmm. in London North for quite a while, um, I don't think you want to let that go to any haphazard uh, process, especially since it's such a sitting opportunity at the moment. Is there, is there, do you think it's, uh, and Jeff, I'll ask you this question again as a liberal, um, not me as a liberal, you as a liberal, um, <laughs> There, we've seen at the provincial level here a couple of times lately where there have been surprises in in, in uh, provincial writings in terms of the Liberal Party, uh, where um, uh, um, but Polhill, who was expected twice to probably get the nomination in uh, in uh, London East, what's it called now? London Fanshawe. London Fanshawe, um, and didn't for a variety of reasons. Uh, campaign started late. Whatever. Don't know. Uh, but uh, a fellow that many people felt uh, not only deserved that, uh, but would have won the seats handily, uh, and for a variety of reasons didn't didn't do that. Things, party machinations happened, and other Khalil Ramal uh, got the nomination the last time and won the seat, and so on. Um, how would it work this time in a federal riding? Is it possible that the local riding association or other liberal candidates could say, "Well, I don't." I don't care about Bob Ray, and I don't care about Gerard Kennedy, because I think I can win, and I want to go to Ottawa, and I can sell enough memberships to uh, to win the writing uh, nomination. Is it possible for someone to say and do that? Uh, I I'm not an expert on the on the rules of the uh, of the Liberal Party. I, I guess Mike Izinga would be our our expert in London as the uh, president of the party. 
but I believe it is possible, and I believe that one of the reasons is that there were there, there were some policies adopted around trying to get representation, for instance, getting a certain number of women uh, in uh, to office. And I believe that there have been uh, places where the writing association's choice was simply ejected. I think Paul Martin did that, and mm-hmm. I think John Cretchen did that as well. Uh, or if, again, they've got a particular star candidate. I remember there was quite a controversy around Michael Ignatieff's nomination in Toronto uh, with the uh, Ukrainian community. I believe yes. that the... Uh, the writing association's first choice was a Ukrainian fellow. And so uh, those things certainly can happen. And it is, you know, um, in a perfect world, it shouldn't. In a perfect world, the local folks get to vote for uh, who they want, and you've got a writing association that you should be supporting and so on. But as Bob said, that the the realities of needing a leader to be in office or, or conversely how difficult it is to be a leader if you're not in office make it such that I think all the parties recognize this is just some business we got to do this way. Well, I'm shocked and dismayed. I always thought the whole purpose of the Liberal Party of Canada was to create a perfect world. We'll be right back. Bob Matt's Jeff Schlemmer with us on Left, Right, and Center. Bob was just telling us that he's uh, you're on television at noon today. Is that correct? Well, that's right on uh, the Crossroads Television System. On the um, what's the name of the show? Uh, Christine, um, yeah, I forgot her last name already. Now this it's is on at noon though, right after this show's th- this over. This is this is the Christian Television Network, correct? Is it not? Yeah, number sixteen on cable. I don't know where it is on uh, actually on uh, and, and on satellite. If, if you don't mind me asking, I'm sure many of our listeners would be curious. What position did you take on what topic? Oh, uh, what did we talk about? We talked about after 9-11, you know, how, mm-hmm. how we've changed since then. We talked about Kyoto, and we talked about um, uh, the Pope's comments on Canada turning its back to, you know, a, hmm. against God type of thing because of our laws on uh, gay marriage and, and abortion laws. Well, that break, that's, I, I'm surprised. Well, Christine surprised. Williams, that's I'm, the name I'm pleased it. that you, that, that was one of the topics because that is our next topic. Today no I kidding. wanted to ask <laughs> about the Pope. And uh, and his pronouncements that Canada has been a, a collaborator in the uh, moral decay of the world because of our uh, progressive social programs. Um, I watched a show last night for a while on CTV or CBC about or TVO, excuse me, TVO about a fellow who, in as late as the 1960s, was uh, sentenced to life in prison for consensual having consensual sexual relations with with another man. And uh, to show how we have changed in the last four years, at least as you know, how the law has changed. But as recently as the mid-60s, mm-hmm. he was, in, he was uh, incarcerated uh, under a governor general's warrant, whatever it is, I think. Um, chronic sexual offender, although he hadn't committed any offenses other than strictly the letter of the law. Um, he hadn't assaulted anybody or anything like that. Do you think that uh, this makes any difference to... Um, Canada's position in the world, the fact that the Pope would, would center us out, would, would point a finger at Canada and say, well, look at those Canadians now. They're a pretty randy bunch up there, and, uh, and they're not exactly doing what they're told. Uh, th- do you think in, the, in today's world that that makes any difference? Um, it might to some people. I don't really think it does, especially to Canadians. I mean, as I pointed out, uh, I find it ironic that Catholics in general vote liberal. And they vote for the very party that that has the values that the Pope is objecting to. Mm-hmm. So whatever opinions he had had to be directed mostly at them, not not at anybody else. Because um, you know one of the one of the things he the Pope cited as uh, as evidence of Canada turning their back on God is the lower birth rate. And I'm thinking, well, that's a total non sequitur, you know, to say that uh, a lower birth rate is that. I mean, if Catholics were 
honoring their commitment to, um, you know... To appropriate? <laughs> not only that, but also... Uh, not to even have sex, even within marriage, if you don't want to have kids, and you'd think that they were practicing that, <laughs> and thereby creating a lower <laughs> birth rate. But of course, that's not the Pope's assumption, is it? <laughs> so, well, I was last night, they, uh, I was listening as well, the, the Pope had uh, a pronouncement in Germany in the last day or two, uh, where he's still mad at Charles Darwin also, and uh, I, I guess Germany, the German Catholic Church is apparently fairly liberal as well. I know the Dutch Catholic Church certainly is. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a way, he's a, a bit of an anachronism in Germany where he's from uh, so so from my perspective we're kind of in good company and the things he's saying you know are consistent with what he's always said there's no no real change there it sounds like he's going to apparently uh, Pope John Paul II had tried to move the bar a bit on evolution and say well maybe you know we can recognize there might be something to this well in fact he had <clears throat> he had he had tacitly admitted that this was a the science had a had a role to play in explaining the God's God's mysteries and God's wonders. Yeah, and and so like you know certainly the current Pope is apparently kind of moving that bar back a bit, but he was always like the the wasn't he the protector of orthodoxy effectively yes. in the church? Yeah, and uh, you know he's come out very explicitly against homosexuality, um, and specifically said that he doesn't want any homosexual priests, for example. Uh, so you know he's he's playing true to form. Uh, you can't complain about that. But again, does it make him less relevant in the world today? I think probably does. And if Canada centered out as a place that's kind of leading the charge uh, towards going the other way, then I think, hey, that's cool. It's usually those Scandinavian countries that get all the glory. I have uh, some Catholic friends who suggested to me that, uh, and they would know more about it than I would, that he's really seen by many people as just an interim pope. That uh, for whatever reason, a variety of reasons, he was selected. He's quite an elderly man himself now, and uh, I mean, you know... His, his fate is in the hands of God, but it's not likely he's going to live, uh, you know, for another couple of decades. Um, and there'll be more progressive voices raised in the uh, in the church that this maybe was a bit of a sop to the uh, to the old hardline traditionalists, uh, um, uh, conservative Catholic leadership. Well, that's what I love about in my Catholic friends. They take the long view. You know, it's like, <laughs> okay, well, that's the guy in the chair right now, and yes, he is infallible, but. In the long run, it'll all work out. I, I found the most disturbing thing about the Pope's criticism about Canada is that you know he accused us of rampant secularism. You know, and personally, I think secularism is a desirable thing in <laughs> politics and in government. And that if you look at any part of the world where they don't have secularism in government, they have wars and famines and droughts and conflicts of all sorts. Uh, a secular society is a society that's tolerant of all religions, faiths, and creeds, you know, generally, because it's based on a more objective moral code. So, um, and you'll find a lot of support even amongst religious people for that, quote, separation of church mm-hmm. and state, because they understand that if you don't have it, one of them's going to be oppressed by the other one, because that's been the history from Catholic to Protestant back and forth. Well, and then, but he, he does have a vested interest in it and some very attractive vests as well. We're going to pause for just a mm-hmm. moment and come back. <laughs> I should really, in fairness to my guests, have asked them this off the air so I wouldn't embarrass them on the air, if indeed it would embarrass them. Did either of you see George Bush the other night on his little speech about uh, his commemorative speech for 9-11? I did not see that. Okay, then I won't. Then I'm I equally will, embarrassed. Then I will. No, no, no need to be. No, I'm, I'm the one who's embarrassed because okay. I should have asked you because I, I did have a question relative to that, but if you didn't see it, there's not much point. But what I have seen uh, repeatedly is his, uh, the clip of him being asked uh, what the connection was between Saddam Hussein and 9-11, mm-hmm. uh, where he was, he was kind of giving his usual thing about it's all part of the war, terror, blah, 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 blah. And, of course, you know why we had to go into Iraq and so on. And I guess a reporter impertinently said, what was the connection? And George said, what do you mean what was the connection? What was the connection between Saddam and 9-11? And he said, there's no connection. And, and on he went. And uh, <laughs> my son actually pointed this out. He said, did he just say that? You know, because, like, everything I've 
He said it from day one, by the way. Well, that's what he's literally said. Well, he said it from day one. I've got newspaper clippings from day one where he was saying there's no connection, but the media just goes on saying that he said the opposite. And I just, I, you get the words out of his mouth, and then you see what the media reports. Uh, well, you know. well, the interesting thing about this to me was the uh, uh, the night of there was some commentary on on some of the uh, uh, different stations about the nonpartisan nature of his talk, and uh, but by the next day the, the lines had drawn once again, and the Democrats were all over him for ma- having made it a, a political talk, a partisan talk. The Republicans were defending him and saying he didn't do it, but the night of. Uh, there were some rather different voices. Where George Stephanopoulos, for one, who uh, said, uh, you know, decidedly a non non political speech. He said uh, that night on Monday night, but Tuesday morning he said uh, it was a terribly political speech and rada 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 rada. Well, one thing I have to say is that nine eleven, I specifically avoided anything to do with nine eleven because it's just too painful. Like I just, you know, I, it's a bad bad thing. And uh, I remember years ago reading uh, some psychologist in some column saying, you know. Uh, you 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 absorb a lot of stress by constantly reading bad news, and you don't have to always do it. So I have a policy now: I never read a story that involves a child being injured. I just don't do it because I don't need to be depressed for the rest of the day. It's it's not productive. If- There's something to be said for that. It's one of the uh, uh, because it's true. It does, and it affects people in my business particularly. You talk to a lot of well, guys who imagine. do who do what I do, and uh, the stress levels are incredibly high. Not from the nature of the job, but because of the information that you're required to absorb. Day after day after day after day, and Bob, you do it too because you're you're, you're in a, a similar type of I'm, business. I'm you're the same, and I've learned to um, how would I put it? You know, compartmentalize my approach to it. Like I won't even look at a newspaper for a week or two. Then I'll go through them all one day when I'm ready psychologically to go through them, yeah, clip yes. the articles that interest me, yeah. review them. But if I was doing that on a daily basis, I would be so depressed every day it would yeah. be terrible. And my thing is, I want to know what went on. I want to know the information, but I just cannot absorb all of the human suffering implicit in that i've to this day managed never to see the film of the plane going into the building hmm. anytime it's come on i look away don't want to see it and that's another reason why jeff listens to us faithfully here on the news hour at home on late at night on his computer and you can do it too at jimchapman.ca click on the broadcast side click on chow you can go to our archive and hear any of the last five shows including today's program uh, jeff does it from time to time nudge nudge wink wink and so do lots of other people actually you never see anything bad on this show there you go absolutely there nothing ever to bring anybody down on this program thank you gentlemen we're out of time Thanks, i Thanks, see the boys are setting up in the next room over there oh yes there they are well the music means folks we are done for another day but we do invite you to join us again tomorrow and if you missed part of the program today or you'd like to hear it again do please go to jimchapman.ca click on the broadcaster side of the website you'll see there there's a there's a double page there and then click on CHRW, and that will take you to our archive, where you will be able to uh, check out what's uh, been happening in the last five days. You can do it anytime, 24-7-365. Quick reminder again, this Saturday, it's the Super Cruise out at the London Husky Travel Center. It's going to be huge. More than a 1,000 hot rods and custom cars waiting for you. And we'll be getting ready uh, starting in about a minute from now. For tomorrow's show, which will start about uh, 24 hours from now, less that minute. In the meantime, for Bob and uh, for Jeff, it's Jim saying please take care of each other. Mind how you go, and God bless. Bye-bye.
If you've enjoyed this presentation, visit www.justratemedia.org for more programming that's not right-wing, it's just right.